I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And welcome to our number three. Count you down to LSU Bird. and Missouri Big here Bird. on WWL 2601870. You can text us at 870-870. LSU and Missouri at 635 kickoff tonight here on WWL. Coming up this hour, we'll check in with LSU's next opponent, the Florida Gators, who squeaked by uh, Vanderbilt today in Nashville 13-6. to Thomas Goldcamp, Florida Gators beat reporter for 24-7 Sports, will be with us to give us the latest as that is an 11 o'clock game, the dreaded 11 a.m. game next Saturday morning at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium in Gainesville, Florida. And then senior writer at TigerBay.com, Brian Lazar, joins us. And then we'll get the latest on the Missouri Tigers. Missouri beat writer for the Kansas City Star, Todd Palmer, will be with us to give us the latest on Barry Odom's Missouri club that comes in here at 2 and 2. And T-Bob, we're talking about a Missouri team. Like we said, their numbers, uh, you know, kind of inflated when you look at it. And that's why, you know, when you get about two, three weeks into conference play, the SEC breaks down stats and then they'll break down in conference yes, stats, in conference which stats. is really good. And they break it down really nice, how you rank in the conference, how you rank in the country. But that's what's key, what you do in the conference and then versus overall, which, you know, sometimes people size up your non-conference schedule. Non-conference, they lost up West Virginia 26-11 to to start the season. Then they beat Eastern Michigan 61-21, to followed by a 28-27 loss to Georgia. Georgia completes a touchdown pass late in the game on a fourth and goal. And then they handled a Delta, Delaware State last week 79 79- Two zero. They are led by sophomore quarterback Drew Locke. And this is a Barry Odom offense. He's gone with the youth movement, T-Bot. They have 10 underclass starters on offense, oh. six on defense. So, so far, I think the main thing they've done, unless it's something rocking, it's still early in the season through four games, they seem to be solid. They have found their quarterback. And talking to people in the Missouri media this week, they feel like Drew Locke is comparable. If not, has to be the same, maybe better, than a guy like Chase Daniel and James Franklin were two of their better oh. quarterbacks in the Gary Pinkle era. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and that's something else that I think Barry Odom has done a really good job of, even though it's very early on in the season, is reassuring Missouri fans, you know what, you're in good hands. We're a young yeah. team. Because you had, things are you not had a coach that was there for over a decade that had a solid program. And and really, I mean, look, I don't know. I'm not a Mizzou historian, Deke, so correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe Pinkle did lead them to kind of unprecedented heights when oh, you look yeah. at how high they were ranked. Well, uh, go, back, go back to your team, games. you go to the yeah, national 07. championship. They they win that Big 12 championship game against Oklahoma. Yep. They go to the national championship. And so Pinkle helps facilitate the move into the SEC, which is a big deal. They've been to, what, two SEC championships yeah. uh, since that move was made originally? Mm-hmm. Yes, back-to-back years. So when that kind of coach leaves, and not under the circumstances that a guy like Miles left, right? When that kind of coach leaves under circumstances kind of uh, – outside of football mm-hmm. then there's a lot of worry as to what's going to happen the program Odom's done a good job of reassuring missouri tiger fans now you mentioned lock deke uh the the improvement from last year as a freshman at this year has quite frankly been incredible statistically so last season he played in 12 games right mm-hmm. he threw four touchdowns total that includes eight starts through four touchdowns in 12 games. Came in for Matt Mark, who they thought Matty Mark was going to be their guy, but he had some off-field issues. So this year, Drew Locke has thrown for five touchdowns in two different games alone. Overall, he's thrown for 14 touchdowns this year. 
It leads the SEC, and it's third in the country. But to kind of go back to how you said that you got to be a bit careful mm-hmm. with these stats, what's out of conference, what's in conference, both those five touchdown games came against Eastern Michigan and Delaware State. So while I think if you're a Missouri fan, that's look, there's reason for excitement. This offense, uh, it looks like it's very explosive. I mean, even against Georgia, you put up 27, you only lose by one point. So there's hope there. But at the same time, it's not necessarily an offense that should uh, intimidate LSU. It, now, what do you think, Deke? Is this the best offense that LSU has faced thus far? That said. Yeah, I think so without question. Wisconsin, they continue to try to find their identity. Auburn, too, as well. And uh, Missouri, and and I, and I go by that because of you know the people that we've talked to, and not just not just those that we quick to point out. You know, somebody might look and say, "Well, look at who they played, who they beat." Yeah, we we admit those are inflated numbers, but if you look at the teams going back to when LSU played Jacksonville State, I would say maybe and without question the best quarterback LSU's faced yeah. has been Eli Jenkins at yeah. Jacksonville State. But the, the, the best two offenses they face, T-Bob, from a skill standpoint, I would say are Missouri and Jacksonville State. Yeah, and, and so I think this is going to be Dave Aranda's greatest challenge yet last weekend. Mm-hmm. You saw an Auburn team that, look, they were worried. They, they, they knew that LSU, they got speed. They're going to be good against the zone read. A&M ate Auburn's lunch when Auburn continued to try to run that zone read. What did Auburn do last weekend? They kind of slowed down the pace. They they. They, they engaged in the power running game. Mm-hmm. They thought, you know what, if we line up our five on their front seven, that we can win that battle of the line of scrimmage. And they did. I mean, not, not, it, was, it wasn't a domination by Auburn, but they did win enough. Like LSU's defense, while it never broke, it really did adopt that bend but don't break mentality. It did get driven on at times. So I'll be interested to see if Missouri looks to also uh, take advantage on the ground game maybe a bit more than they normally would because, look, still Deke, when you're talking about throwing against this LSU defense, it remains a pretty terrifying, uh, a pretty terrifying endeavor. And, and yes, mm-hmm. there have been a few busted coverages, and LSU's given up some big plays, but they've also made some big plays. And, and look, so anytime you're you're dropped back to throw against this LSU defense, it starts uh. with Arden Key. You got to well, you got to you got to account the, for him and the, the rush and the, the trek toward twenty continues because he should have plenty of opportunities yeah. this week, T. Bob. And let's face it. If Arden Key gets a sack tonight, T-Bob, through five games, he'll have seven and a half sacks and gets a second half, eight sacks. He, he, he's far on pace for his, yes. his, his, his season total. Which is absurd that somebody says something that outlandish now, you know, they're, they're kind of making people a believer uh, here after a few games. So if you drop back to throw against this team, though, you got to deal with Arden Key first. Then if you get Key blocked, you got to deal with the likes of Trey White in that secondary. you got to deal with the likes of Dante Jackson, who's admittedly been a, a bit up and down. But bottom line is that one thing I'm intrigued to see, does Missouri look to take advantage on the ground? If they're going to, it's going to be with Demaria Crockett. Uh, he currently leads the team 210 yards on the year, 34 carries, three TDs. Uh, he is only a freshman, and I don't think he's uh, – too much of a worry but after watching Auburn so starkly change their game plan I do wonder if Missouri looks to emulate and then how does Dave Aranda respond mm-hmm. how does LSU respond and how does this defense as a whole 
perform against what will be their biggest test and, yet. And let's face it, you know, LSU will continue to get the same thing that they got, you know, uh, with Coach Miles and Coach Cameron. You're going to see a stacked box, including, let's face and I don't know, again, we don't, we're don't. we going by just this matchup, and the only thing we can point to you is who these teams have played in the strong suits and what they've done against those. When they played Georgia, Georgia's strong suit was an up-and-coming quarterback, but they went into Missouri at Columbia and wanted to be able to rush the football. Well, Sonny Michael and Nick Chubb, they only got 100 yards combined against Missouri. So you had to point that out. And it wasn't a situation where they weren't trying to run the football or it got to be a situation where they had to abandon the run. It was a tight game. So you'd have to figure that Missouri's going to come in here and whatever game plan they had against Michael and Chubb, they're going to have that today against LSU's run too. Yeah, and then so flipping to the other side of the ball, we mentioned LSU's offense earlier, how you can't change the playbook. You can't change how you implement it. They've got the advantage that no one knows their tendencies at one point. But for all the advantages that I think they do have, in this unique situation, Deke, they also have one glaring weakness, which is that an offense that already struggles to produce that hasn't been uh, really productive at all this season, uh, you are now missing your greatest offensive weapon. You are missing your Heisman candidate. I, I yeah. believe it's been made official. Uh, I, Leonard Fournette will not play today. Um, hell, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you maybe don't see Fournette next week. So we mentioned earlier, not only is Coach O dealing with the challenge of using an offense he doesn't necessarily want in the short term to accomplish his long-term goals well you have to get productivity out of that offense that has struggled this far you have to do it without the best piece of your offense so it's going to be a hell of a challenge and if it's going to work deke this lsu offensive line must play better uh than they have recently i think the auburn well there's been times in every game they've just been a bit inconsistent like it at sometimes your lines opening up big holes you look like you drive a truck to them and other ones they look a bit hapless and they've especially struggled against uh great pass rushers and missouri has a couple of those coming this week so how will this lsu offensive line i believe toby weathers be out to whom are going to be in at right tackle can they help uh, ease the fan base's fears about where their talent level at. Can, can they give people hope that they can compete with the really good D-lines that you're going to see down the road? All right, coming up next, we'll take a look at LSU's next opponent, Florida. Earlier today, Florida barely getting by Vanderbilt in Nashville, 13-6 to LSU at Florida next Saturday at 11 a.m. We'll take a peek at the Gators next year. Counting down to LSU and Missouri here on Tiger Radio, WWL. It's LSU-Missouri tonight at 635 kickoff here on WWL. It's back-to-back weeks LSU travels. Well, it takes on teams in the other side of the conference, the SEC East. Today, Missouri next Saturday, 11 a.m. kickoff at Ben Hill Griffiths. Stadium taking on the Florida Gators, who squeaked by Missouri today. Excuse me, Vanderbilt today, 13-6. Thomas Goldcamp of 247 Sports joins us now. Thomas, just not even listening, uh, not paying attention, just looking at the box score and seeing these numbers today. Not knocking because I think Vanderbilt probably played an inspired game today at home and, and lost. But I would say maybe, not making an excuse for Florida, but did they have a little bit of a hangover from last week? Yeah, I don't think there's any question. I think the Florida team that we saw today came out flat. And, uh, frankly, this team, you know, they're not good enough to do that right now, especially not playing with the backup quarterback. Hey, Thomas, when, when you look at Florida right now, uh, we, we know what, you know, Appleby at quarterback, Lucas Steele healing, and so forth. What, what would be the strength of this team? I mean, they took advantage of some things. They really looked good. They looked like they had to, once again, we're going to put the mastery on Tennessee last week, and then Tennessee did something they haven't done in over a decade. They had their best half of football against Florida, and whew, I don't know how many halves that is, 12 times to two, you know, 24 halves of football. But what, 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 what was it about it? What, what, what is the strength of this Florida team right now? 
Well, you know, it's hard to find one. I think, you know, most Florida fans going into the year felt like the defense was really going to be a strength. And, and if you look at the numbers today, you know, they did fairly well against Vanderbilt in terms of being a bend but don't break. Um, you know, held them to six points. Um, but I think for Florida, you know, the way it's going to win games right now is by making sure that that defense doesn't give up points and then relying on, you know, special teams and, the, you know, the kicking and the punting game. And so far they've been able to do that fairly well. Obviously had the breakdowns versus Tennessee last week. But this isn't a team that's going to come and, and blow anybody out at this point. Thomas Goldcamp is our special guest. Gators 24-7 sports. Keeping up with Florida. Florida, LSU's next opponent. They host the Tigers next Saturday morning in Gainesville. Been here at Griffin Stadium at 11 a.m. Kickoff our coverage starts at 7 a.m. next Saturday morning here on Tiger Radio. And Thomas, now Florida. Uh, you know, under the under Coach Muschamp, it was like we had all the defense we needed. It's, it was constant, but we couldn't get the offense. Then you bring in Coach McElwain, who's a guy that's known for having quarterbacks and pretty good offense. Are the Florida Gator fans, even though he kind of worked, a, I guess you'd say, a little bit of magic last year getting them to Atlanta out of the East, are, are they, is it coming around? Is it hard to see without this starting quarterback? Are they frustrated? Where, where is this offense now since they were kind of thinking that Coach McElwain is going to be a guy that's more balanced? We're going to have an offense now. Yeah, the fans are definitely getting frustrated, I think. You know, I think most people, um, you know, seeing his background and his track record probably expected a little bit more. And you see what he's, you know, had to deal with, obviously, with, you know, quarterbacks. They haven't really, you know, been able to avoid the revolving door there. But still, they, mm-hmm. they haven't been able to draw much up that consistently works. And until Florida is able to do that, um, you're going to see a team that comes out and struggles against some of these lower opponents and really, frankly, has a hard time beating good teams like LSU. And, Thomas, go, c- coming into the season, one of the big question marks with Florida had to do with that offensive line. Uh, I believe it was, even though there was some experience, I think it was like five new starters technically. How has that O-line performed uh, thus far this year? It's pretty much what you would expect from, you know, a young unit. You see some real flashes from some of these guys that are very talented, um, but then you also see some of these huge gaps where, you know, guys are running free at the quarterback. Um, So it's been very up and down. You know, Jim McElwain was asked after the game today, if he was surprised that they haven't come a little bit further, and he was pretty frank. He said, yeah, you know, I am a little surprised. So I think for Florida, you know, being so young, it's just going to be a matter of those guys continuing to get snaps. And if you're Jim McElwain, you know, you try to hopefully manage their confidence so that they don't get too down on themselves. Well, and, and it's one of those situations where, you know, look, Jim McElwain had so much success in year number one and, and kind of what I think a lot of people call unexpected success. Did he almost unrealistically raise the bar uh, for where this team was going to be immediately after he took over? Yeah, that's probably a pretty good, a pretty good point to be honest with you. I think, you know, most Florida fans, um, I think, had a tendency to kind of put all of the offensive woes at the end of last season on Treon Harris, and yeah. there was this whole mindset that, you know, as soon as Florida gets a quarterback um, that's not Treon Harris, that the offense is going to be great, that Jim McElwain's system is going to go, you know, you know, through the roof, and Florida's going to be really good. And frankly. That has not happened. And, you know, obviously Luke Del Rio is a lot better than, than Austin Appleby's playing right now. Yep. Um, but even with Del Rio, it, you know, it wasn't a system that just was, you know, putting up points on everybody out there. So, you know, Florida's still got work to do. And, you know, it's, I think it's um, definitely been a bit frustrating for fans. 
Thomas Goldcamp is with us, LSU's next opponent, the Florida Gators. And I know, Thomas, this is kind of hard because there's a lot of unknowns we don't know. Uh, we're going to learn some more tonight about the changes that have happened here. But from what you've seen thus far from Florida, what you know about LSU, and let's take let's take Fournette out of the equation. Let's just say this high ankle sprain, he's not able to play, especially when you think about an early kickoff next week. What would you say were some things, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to tell. I mean, Florida comes out the gate. They only give up 14 points in their first three games, only six today. They did give up uh, 38 to Tennessee. So I would think defensively they're going to be right there. But what are some things teams have had success against the Florida defense? Well, it's not easy. I think the biggest thing is you have to be balanced. I think what Tennessee was able to do really was to establish just enough of the running game that they were able to get in some good down and distance and be able to throw against Florida. Um, the secondary has tended to play a lot of zone, especially with running quarterbacks. Um, you know, maybe that's not something that LSU can really exploit, but there are openings against this team. Um, so, you know, I think if LSU is able to come in and establish the ground game, they'll have a pretty good chance to, you know, put some drives together and, and probably put some points up on Florida. Thomas Goldcamp, LSU's next opponent. If you want to get the latest on the Florida Gators, 247sports.com. Thomas, how can people keep up with you on Twitter? Well, you can follow me. It's pretty simple. It's Thomas Goldcamp, just my name, spelled G-O-L-D-K-A-M-P. Thomas, thank you so much. We'll talk later this week as LSU gets set to come to Gainesville next Saturday. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. All, All right, right Back-to-back Eastern foes for LSU tonight, 635 against Missouri, and next Saturday, 11 a.m. at. Why is that game at 11 a.m.? Well, you know, I really thought this one would be at 11 a.m. Yeah, so, right. I mean, for this yeah. one to get the ninth, the ninth glad, slot. Yeah, I'm kind of glad that it's a road game that's at 11 yeah, and not yes. take not take a Death Valley night away from that's true. The that's fans. true, so, man. I just don't. I don't, don't want to wake up at seven next week. No, man. I know it. I know it. It's almost like going. <laughs> I don't to do the morning show anymore. I'm, I'm used yeah. to the night shift now. I hear you. I hear you. Coming up, our conversation with LSU coach Ed Ogeron in just a moment. Let's go to the phone lines. Mark on line one from Slidell. Mark, thank you for calling WWL. Yeah, hey. Yo, what's up, Mark? What you got, man? Hey, Nick. Um, I was saying, hey, who would you like to see your next coach? Okay, so is okay. So this conversation, I I absolutely understand why we're all talking about it. It's very valid at this time. Um, However, so much of where this eventually ends up is predicated on what happens over these next eight games. Look, from from where I sit, I like Coach O for this job, and I'm not saying that there couldn't be other successful coaches. I'm saying I like Coach O for this job. Because I don't know if I feel that LSU's in need of a full reboot. I don't know if the slate or if the slate needs to be wiped completely clean. What what I view LSU as in need of was more akin to a CEO change, right, Deke? Where a company, the stock's going down. In order to uh, shore up some investor confidence, you bring in a new CEO, do some philosophical changes, but you hold on to some of the valuable assets that you have. Well, and if you if if you do do the full switch, and once again. Doo-doo. If the Bay doesn't win, it will happen. If you, yeah, if you do do My girl would have got you on that one, That was okay. Well done. Well done. If you go through with the full switch, yeah. then you do put some of your assets at risk, whether it be Coach O and his recruiting prowess. Right. Uh, Tommy Moffat in the strength room, who I, contend, who I consider like the Nick Saban of strength and conditioning court. You think about Dave Aranda as your defensive coordinator. You put these assets kind of in limbo, up for grabs in a way. So right. if – Ed Ogeron wins over these next eight games, I think he earns the opportunity well, to do this job long-term. If he doesn't, that's where it gets a bit scary because this is already looking like a bit of a messy coaching search. No and I don't know it. 
where the attractive options are. I don't I don't know either. Now, you know, hey, that's going to be talked about for so long, but let, let's keep in mind now, I mean, as much as, you know, hey, it seems like the great job and that, that you can factor in pluses and minuses for all the jobs. But right now, if you go by what we've seen thus far and how things are taking shape, just like a forecast, if we look at the forecast in college football, USC, Penn State, LSU, Texas, possibly Auburn. Yep. Five really prominent jobs with three, three of the all-time most traditional and greatest programs in any sport available in Penn State, Texas, and the University of Southern California. So we had to factor all that in. The only thing I'll say is that I'm, I'm going to sit back and enjoy this ride because I think this team is going to do good and win some games, and then we'll see what happens down the stretch of the season, especially the big ones. They're going to have everything in front of them. You're probably going to have four ranked opponents in the top 15, but I will say this. If LSU is going to go out and get their guy, whoever that guy is, I don't, I don't mind paying the big money. What is it, five and a half, six million? It's going to be for, more than for, that. for a guy like a Jimbo Fisher, somebody that's got skins on the wall. I think you start paying six, seven. But paying six or seven million dollars to Tom Herman, yeah. I ain't for that. And I'm and, not, and, and, and look, I'm, I might, he might be the next Nick Saban, but this is a program where you know, hey, either prove it. Or have proved it already. Now, that is a bit interesting, though, because when they did hire Saban back in 2001, he was a bit of a proven commodity, but a lot of people, when you saw $1.6 million or whatever uh, mm-hmm. they signed him for, a lot, and that was all Mark Emmert. Mark Emmert was his guy. Right. They were uh, conjoined at the hip, if yeah, you will. that was his hire. Uh, but when he played, when he paid them, people kind of, I mean, there were a lot of raised eyebrows. Like, whoa, $1.6 million to this guy? Are you sure about that? So, look, if you overspend for term in the time, but my problem is, look, I understand everybody's in love with Tom Herman, and I understand why. It's a small sample size, but it's a dominant sample size. And, and there's a lot of attractive qualities to Tom Herman. The problem is, I don't know how attractive LSU is to Tom Herman. Right. Like we mentioned today, Texas lost to Oklahoma State. Texas now 2-2. Two and two, yeah. Barred oh, some oh kind of huge turnaround. That job's going to come open. And, and if Charlie Strong is doing it, I don't know Tom Herman, but when you read and – and, and hear from people that seem to He's know established Herman, in Texas. They say he wants that. That is his dream job. That's what he desperately wants. And I feel like Texas desperately wants to enter the Tom Herman sweepstakes. So and no knock once against he's the Big 12, the table, it's an easier conference. Yes. Well, even, okay, so let's say the Texas move doesn't even take place. How's this for Tom Herman? I think if Houston makes the Big 12, he gets $5 million bonus. Houston's already said they'll match any salaries that somebody else is going to offer. And then where are you closer to winning the conference championship right now? Houston in the Big 12, where there's not even a ranked team. I mean, Texas was ranked. They're not going to be anymore. No. Or is it LSU in the SEC West? Where, where you're you go, going against? Where you go eight and four your first year and win a bowl game. You go nine and four. You you on the hot seat. And then you got Hugh Freeze and an Ole Miss team that continues to form. Brett Bielema right. doing really good things at Arkansas. And then what, what? At the end of the day, the Brian, raid boss Nick Saban. Brian Lazar, senior writer, TigerBait.com, joins us. Obviously, Brian, it's a lot of be made about uh, the LSU. Uh, you know, moving forward, but you know, I think a lot of fans want to see. You know, hey, let's don't give up on this season just yet. I mean, if we really Tiger fans and we want we want what best for LSU, uh, wouldn't you like to see them do good with these last uh, eight games? Yeah, I was going to ask you. We're going to talk about the present or the future. Look, exactly look, right. I, now, look, the most important thing. I'll ask you. You know, would you want LSU go to go nine and three? And get the wrong guy as the coach, or you want them to go five and seven to get the right guy as the coach? I want they got to get the right guy as the coach. You want the right guy now? Now I yeah, think that how, but, how you arrive yeah, at the I mean, right guy yeah, is the question. Laying it out like that, but you know some. I, I don't. I just don't. I don't. I don't. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in like. Oh, I want to see us lose to get the right guy. 
No, the hell with no, that, man. No. I want I, you got to go out. You got to win now. You got to win right now this season. You don't have well, no good home schedule next year. You got your best home schedule the last few years this year. You got to win now, man. Well, I, I agree. I'm not saying, but look, there's there's going to be as much interest and concern about who LSU makes in his coaching hire than what happens the, the rest of the year. Look, the LSU fan base, they, they look at it this way. If LSU can't be in this college football playoffs, who cares about the team? Well, one more loss, and LSU won't be in the in the, in the CFP because they won't have a chance to win the SEC for the problem. See, I don't so, know about you, Brian. That seems like an absurdly high expectation level for what you've been for the majority of the history of your school, right? Ab- absolutely. Absolutely. There's no doubt about that. But that's unfortunately that's where we are right now. Yeah, that's uh, the reality. Look, look, here, LSU. When you talk about who they're going to hire, LSU wants to hire a proven head coach, and by proven head coach, I mean somebody who has won championships. I did uh, I did a little research yesterday. There are not too many coaches at power conference schools who have won multiple conference championships. I think it's thirteen. There's only 13 coaches currently at a Power 5 school who won multiple Power 5 conference championships. There are only two coaches in the SEC that have done that, Nick Saban and Brett Bielema. No other head coach in the SEC has won more than one conference championship at a Power 5 school. In fact, the only other SEC coach that's won a conference championship is Gus Malzahn. He's on hot. Uh, (laughs) So it's not like... Uh, the 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 coaches that are on that list, you know, they're probably not available to LSU. You know, Stoops at that, that That's my point. Coming. It's like it sounds good, Brian, right? You want to hire someone who wins the championships, but who's going to leave? Who, who Who's going to come here? I, I, I'll say this. If I look at that list, one guy, uh, well, you know, <laughs> there isn't. There is, you're right. There isn't somebody. You know, I, I was, was going to say Gary Patterson, but he's only won one. He only won one Big 12 at TCU. Okay. So uh, that, that's why I hesitated because I was going to mention Patterson, but he's he's only got one. So it's it's going to be, you know, Dabo Sweeney's won multiple. Uh, Jimbo Fisher has. Uh, Bill Snyder at Kansas State has. Uh, uh, Kirk Ferentz at Iowa has. Mark Antonio has, Urban Meyer has, you know, uh, there's not very many, you know, those guys that you say, oh, LSU's got a got a good shot against. Mark Rick has. Uh, so, look, the only thing is, and I agree with y'all, Texas losing today. I was told earlier this week from a good source in Texas that if Texas would lose to both Oklahoma State and Oklahoma in the next two weeks and be sitting there at two and three. Charlie Strong is in serious trouble because the LSU job's open, and Texas doesn't want to yep. get beat out by LSU. Yep. And there's no doubt Tom Herman would take the Texas job over the LSU job. Yeah. Brian Lazar, senior writer at TigerBeat.com, here with us. Brian, now, as far as tonight, what, what do you expect, Brian? What, what can the staff do uh, legitimately in a, in a less than week's time to get ready to try and iron out some things and, and come out and put together a decent game plan? Well, I think that you're going to see Ed Ogeron, who coaches with a lot of passion. I think he, his players will have a lot of passion at the start of the game. I think the stadium will be all enthused at the start of the game. But I also think that LSU needs to get off to a quick start because that 
emotion if LSU gets off to a bad start and falls behind 10 to nothing after one quarter or something like that and the offense doesn't move the ball, that emotion is going to disappear. So yeah. I think it's very important for LSU to get off to a good start. Look, we saw practice this week. We saw 30 minutes Monday and 30 minutes Tuesday, and I know this. Uh, Ogeron is a coach who wants the players to be very enthusiastic, and he and his strength and assisting, strength and conditioning coaches were encouraging the players, yelling them, yelling at them to run from one place to the other. Now, the guys were jogging. Now, when they said sprint, I'm not expecting them to sprint, but guess what? A majority of the players, they didn't even pick up their jog at a faster pace. So, look, you're going through a culture change because Les was not like that, not like Ogeron, and it's it's going, you don't have an off-season, a spring practice in the summer to get your style of coaching and which one are your players. Ed Ogeron's got three or four days, and that's why I think it's very important for them to get off to a quick start tonight. How much can they do with the game plan? They, they can't do a whole lot different. They may call a few different plays, but it's probably going to be plays that have still been in the playbook. Brian, your take, LSU, a two-score favorite over Missouri. What's your prediction? I certainly wouldn't give two scores. I know that. Uh, look, Missouri can throw the football. LSU's pass defense has been questionable. Uh, so I think that, uh, you know, that they present a problem there. Missouri's not very good defensively like they've been the last few years. I, I think that LSU's defense needs to rise the occasion. I say they will. LSU wins 24-21. Brian Lazar, senior writer at TigerBait.com at BLDOR, at B-L-D-O-R-E on Twitter. Brian, thank you so much for the time. You're welcome. Talk to you guys later. All, All right, right coming up Brian. next, we'll have my conversation, my sit-down with interim head coach of LSU, Ed Ogeron, here on WWL. And welcome back to WWL Radio, 870 AM, home of the Tigers. Joining us now is interim head coach of the LSU Fighting Tigers, Coach Ed Ogeron. Coach O, thank you so much for the time. And uh, first of all, the message to the team, once you got word, you'd be interim head coach. Well, you know, I think they will. Sad to see Coach Miles go. Happy to see me there. Mm-hmm. Uh, familiar face. Uh, we're going to play with energy. We're going to play uh, one team, one heartbeat. We're going to represent the Tiger family the way we're supposed to. I want these guys to feel good about themselves and start winning again. I've spoken to you before, Coach O, from, from Ole Miss to SC and to SC from when you were there in 13 to be the interim head coach there. What's different now three years ago at this point in time, you're an interim head coach again, that Ed Ogeron learned about himself as a head coach? You know, just more experience, uh, be able to delegate authority, uh, play on my strengths, uh, my weaknesses, let somebody else do it, that, 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 that are pros at it, and really just capture the team and coach the whole team instead of the defensive line. Everything happened so fast, Coach O, from the time you leave Auburn to get here. When when were you notified that they asked you to be elevated to throw? It happened yesterday, I, I imagine, about maybe 3, 3.30. And uh, <laughs> it's been a whirlwind since. But I was ready for it. You know, anytime stuff happens, you start hearing stuff and all. But I'm ready. I'm experienced. I have a great staff, and we're looking forward to it. What, what would you say is the team's attitude right now, Coach? Excellent. I think the team's excellent. Uh we're looking for a start of a new season. We're going to treat it as a new season today. We're going to get after it, and uh, I'll see you after practice. But I think they're going to be fine. LSU coach Ed Ogeron, Tigers entertaining Missouri Saturday evening here on WWL Radio, 635 kickoff. Coach O, uh, did you get any word from Coach Miles? Did you get a chance to speak to him at all? 
Yes, I sure did. And you know what the first word he said? Ed, I'll support you mm-hmm. uh, in the class act that he is. And I thank him for everything that we did. I thank him for bringing me here. I've competed against Coach Miles' team. He's very tough. He's a gentleman, and he's loved by everybody. Coach O, there's no bones about it, no secret. You're a high-energy guy. You bring a lot of energy. Your players seem to feed off of that. Is that one of the first things you attack, energy? No question. Energy, going after quicker practices, faster practices, off the field, having energy in Tiger Stadium, asking the fans to come on, bring it on Tiger Stadium, man. We know an intimidating place doesn't be bringing for these young men. I expect a full house on Saturday. Coach, staff-wise, uh, have you made any adjustments, maybe somebody moving here to there from the field or so forth? What, what staff adjustments have you made? Yeah, you know, we, we moved Steve Ensminger into uh, the offensive coordinator position and also going to rely heavily on Steve Craigthorpe as a consultant. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, uh, we hired Pete Jenkins. The one and only Pete Jenkins mm-hmm. is coming back to the Tiger family, uh, great Tiger. He's excited to come back. Our players are excited. I named Dave Aranda, assistant head coach, outstanding coach. Uh, named Dennis Johnson, the outside linebacker coach. Uh, Bradley Pivato will only coach special teams, and we'll do a good job of that. And uh, we put Damian Craig as recruiting coordinator, and also named our man Derek Panowski as the special assistant to the head coach. Coach Ed Ogeron with us here on WWL Radio. Coach O, when you look at what's coming up in front of you, this Missouri game, you're focused one week at a time. Uh, would you say that the focus is clearly on Missouri? And how difficult is that not only for you but for these young men to have a focus on a team, knowing what's gone down the last 72 hours? Yeah, you know, I think it's going to be a process throughout the week, but we're not. We, we're starting fresh today. I think once they get into the program that we're going to run, the practices and start concentrating on Missouri, I think it's all going to go away. Kids are resilient. They'll bounce back. They want to win. Coach, now a little bit about Missouri. They come in, the best passing quarterback in the SEC. They put up some huge numbers. This is a veteran ball club. What have you been able to look at on film so far that you can tell us about Missouri? Well, you know, the, uh, the offense and defensive guys are getting a scout report. I just know they score a lot of points. Uh, they're very fast on offense, great quarterback, as you said. But we'll, we'll know more about them towards the end of the week. Coach, I know when you were at SC, you kind of tweaked a few things as far as access to, to some of the practices, also some of the things, uh, you know, you're kind of, I won't say more of, but you like to get in the classroom sometimes a little more than others. Maybe take us through some preparation, some things you've done, maybe a little differently from the practice standpoint. Yeah, well, we're going we're gonna to be more on the, um, in the film room. Uh, more energy on the field, less time on the practice field, but but the band, the band running on and off the field, energy, uh, very time efficient, and uh, and then really really watching the tape and getting better at the fundamentals. You're a look forward kind of guy, Coach O. And does this team, though, regardless of how difficult September has been, they still got everything in front of them. I mean, when you look at the way the SEC has started out this season, there's always one or two of those surprises, but you have the majority of teams that are strong on the back end of your schedule. As yeah. tough as it is for you, yeah. that lays it out that this team still has everything in front of them. No question. And, you know, here, here's the deal. If we just take it one week at a time, one game at a time, let the chips fall with them, and let's see what happens. Coach, now, You've got an opportunity here at LSU. You look at it as one game at a time, but this is somewhat, and I've heard you say this before, the place you wanted to be, a dream job, uh, although be it a unique situation how you, you come in here, what, what is going through Ed Ogeron's <laughs> mind when you get that call? Not just to be, you heard head, you heard coach before. At prominent places, you've been to the biggest of the big, but at LSU. Just just an honor to understand the, uh, the tradition and all the great coaches that have been here and 
and being from South Louisiana and watching uh, Ronnie Estee and Arthur Cantrell play and, and Charlie McClendon coaching and Pete Jenkins coaching and want to be part of that. And now's our opportunity, our staff. I don't look at this as something for me. I look at for our football team and our staff and our Tiger family. What does it mean, Coach, to be able to embrace Louisiana, know the culture? You've been here all your life, all your family, and, and to feel like, what, not to feel like, hell, it is home for you. Yes, it is home. And you know, I have a lot of good friends here, and a lot of coaches, and this is where we cut our teeth. And our family lives in Mandeville. My boys go at McNeese. My older boys graduating from right here. We absolutely love Louisiana people. They've been great to us. And finally, Coach, just a couple more. Once you hear Ed Ogeron, a lot of people tag you as a player's coach. What What is, quote-unquote, a player's coach? And is it that thin line to where you've got to say, hey, this is where, you know, it's all business? Yeah, I, th- I think they know. I think they know where the line's drawn. You know? But you know what? I want these guys to – I mean, when I played, man, the coaches I loved, they, they were good teachers. They let me go. They let me play. They let me be. My nickname was Bebe. You be Bebe. Just make sure you follow the rules. And, and I think that if, if you let a guy be himself and let him go, that he's going to play well and perform well. How important is it, Coach, for these kids, all what they've been through, to go out there and enjoy football? Have fun. Have fun. Enjoy football. Enjoy enjoy being with each other. Enjoy being a good teammate. Enjoy being at practice. Enjoy being with your coach. Enjoy the meetings. Hey, this is LSU, man. This is the best in the world. You enjoy everything you get here. And, Coach, when you look at it, you go across the street. Saturday night is your first game as head coach <laughs> of LSU in Tiger Stadium, one of the greatest arenas in all the sports. Uh, you couldn't ask for a better scenario. That's got to be something you're obviously looking forward yeah, to. Very special and, and honored. An honor to be able to do it. Uh, and again, this is about the players. I want to be the best football coach I can be for those football players on a daily basis. Coach Ed Orgeron, Coach O, thank you so much for the time. Good luck against Missouri Saturday night. Thank you, D. Tell my buddy Bobby I said hello. All right, Coach, thank you. All right, one more half hour to go. T. Bobby Bear breaks down, gives you his prediction. We'll find out a little more from the Missouri Tigers side of things, they come in here with a 2-2 two and two record. And right now, interesting scores at the yeah, 10, 11, and 12 rankings. Number 9, Texas A&M in South Carolina, knotted up at 7 apiece uh, early in the second quarter. Number 25, Georgia, all over Tennessee, 17-0. to zero. And number 12, Florida State, losing to North Carolina, 21-7. to seven. That's the second quarter score. And this is uh, the week before Florida State plays at the University of Miami next week. And number four, Michigan leads Wisconsin 7-2-0. Come Louisville, back. man. So much the, more. Yeah, Louisville Florida and Clemson State tonight. Florida State looking a little less. They got to prove it against exactly. Florida State now. Yes, or against uh, Clemson. All right. Coming back much more here on WWL. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.